Welcome to MuggleCast episode 562. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. And on this week's episode, we are going to answer the questions that Fantastic Beasts 3 should have answered but didn't. And then we're going to tell Warner Brothers the questions Fantastic Beasts 4 need to answer. And we have a couple of other fun odds and ends to hit on at the end of today's episode. So lots to get to today. And we are assuming that Fantastic Beasts 4 is going to happen for the purposes of today's discussion. But we can also talk about the future of the Fantastic Beasts franchise in another episode. I bet like this weekend we're going to get an announcement that it's been canned. (laughs) Like in between recording and (laughs) release of this episode and be like, well... Here's the episode anyway. (laughs) We'll start with the questions that Fantastic Beasts 3 should have answered. And I thought to put an extra twist on this, what we should do is try to add our own canon compliant answers to these questions. So you know how we came up with a birthday for Jacob. We can do something like that here where we're coming up with answers for these things and people can just put them in the Harry Potter wiki. I mean, we're going to try to give some good answers. But anyway, to start, I wanted to establish a piece of information that wasn't very clear in the movie. And there has been a little bit of debate around this question. What year is Fantastic Beast 3 actually set in? We were talking a lot about time jumps in the yes. build up to the movie, right? Yeah. And I don't think we ever received an answer, right? No. Right. This is one of those things that it would be really easy to flash across the screen, you know, set the year, especially because... I think a lot of people are generally aware that the series has about 14 more years to go um, from when it was last set to when it ends with Dumbledore's defeat of Grindelwald. The first time we ever see Grindelwald in the book, it's about him being defeated in 1945. So it just makes sense from a storytelling standpoint, I think, to begin your movie that's going to jump over time by stating the year. But of course they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I just have a hard time believing that we'll actually get to... 1945 by the end of the series. I think At that this point. <laughs> given some of the changes that they've made already, I don't think that they need to have the famous duel happen in that specific year. Certainly we understand the significance in the real world of 1945, but I'm just not sure how many fans actually remember that little nugget on the back of a chocolate frog card from Sorcerer's Stone. (laughs) I do, Micah, and it matters to me. I know you do, Eric. It matters to me too, but does it really matter for them for the purposes of wrapping up this film franchise? Probably not. I suppose. Unless they're planning on doing a big time jump in the next movie. It would have to be at least eight or nine years in order to close the gap, assuming they get movies four and five. Thing is, this film would have made, I think, the most sense to jump at least three or four years. Yeah. Like, if agreed. If it's only been a year, well, I'm get, glad oh, that yeah. you brought that up, actually. And by the way, maybe they should just use like a SpongeBob title card five <laughs> years later. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so apparently, Fantastic Beast 3 is set in 1930. How do we even know this information? It wasn't brought up on a SpongeBob title card. (laughs) It turns out that newspaper prints designed by Mina Lima for the film are actually dated with the year 1932. And I think that's some pretty rock solid evidence. But what year does the first movie take place? 27. And Laylee says you met Newt just a little over a year ago to Jacob. (laughs) 
Yes, in in movie three. So things seem a little wonky. And then I I didn't want to include this in today's episode because then we start getting into like baby swap territory with confusion. But then, you know, Bunty was like actually knew we met, you know, 543 days ago or whatever she said. Mm. And that wasn't really checking out with the 1932 date on these newspapers either. But I will say a five-year-ish time jump from the last movie would be helpful in explaining why nobody mentions Lita or Nagini and yeah. why no one's shook by a change in Grindelwald's appearance. It's because so much time has passed. They're not going to still be talking about it. I agree with that. I think it's the only wiggle room I can think of is that there's time between when Grindelwald is first captured at the end of the first Fantastic Beast movie and when he breaks out of jail there's kind of like, I think, and there are those SpongeBob titles in the second movie, but I think it says like six months later uh, after his escape is when the second movie really starts taking place, when the bulk of it takes place. So there's a time jump there. And now if it were like a little over a year later, you're probably into the 30s, but you're not very far along. One thing I did look up, it says that uh, the first Fantastic Beast film takes place in New York or at least Newt arrives in New York, December 1926. Okay. December 1926? Oh, God. Okay. Well, that's the end of the year, so close enough to 27. Why creep slowly around this? Like, not everything. Here, here's, here's my note to the screenwriters of the Fantastic Beasts series. Not everything needs to be a mystery. Like, what year we're in. Yeah. That doesn't need to be a mystery. It's not cool or exciting to have us work it out on a podcast. It's just, <laughs> just tell us. It's this year. We'll go with it. It's cool. Then to make it to make matters worse, there's conflicting lines of dialogue, like it somehow being eight years since Newt and Bunty first were like met. But yet Lally also says it's only been a year since Newt and Jacob met. So it's just... It makes you wonder if like one of those two scenes was done during reshoots and mm. they forgot. Or, Who's keeping track of continuity? <laughs> this used to be a really buttoned up kind of franchise. There, I know. Like, there was one mistake ever made and it was Mark Evans. And we got an apology for that. We also had some issues with Priori and Cantatum. Oh, yeah, yeah that, just that was a few. A typo. Okay, <laughs> but this series is riddled with them. I'm like, this is these are the same minds that put this together. Is like the the more uh, I think about this, the more I wonder with everything that's been going on with the author over the course of the last several years. Do you feel like maybe it's impacting her writing a little bit? <laughs> Probably. Maybe. But well, I, yeah. I don't understand how it gets through the quality control committee is all I'm saying. There needs to be a, like a story team who's in charge of keeping track of all of this. Yeah. I don't think that's a big ask. Yeah. that That's what surprises me, though, too, is that you have some of the greatest minds that helped to develop the Harry Potter film franchise still working on Fantastic Beasts. Yet there is just so much that is messy about the storytelling in this particular series. You have Yates, yeah. you have Heyman, you have Clovez. Why are we in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I mentioned Nagini a few minutes ago. So getting to our questions now that we know that it's 1932, let's just assume it is forever and always. Where did Nagini go? We saw her at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. She was uh, right out front Hogwarts with everybody else watching Dumbledore and Newt have a chat. And that was pretty much it from her. I feel like Nagini got really fed up with being a part of Dumbledore's love story 
because you know she's sitting there on the at at the entrance to Hogwarts, hearing about this blood pact, and Dumbledore's like, "Oh, maybe I can destroy it. Maybe I can. I don't know." And Nagini's like, "You know what? I I can't get tied up in all this garbage right now." And then she went back to the circus where she continued to perform until her blood curse permanently turned her into a snake. Is it the best answer? No, but I think it's a. You could argue it's it. your answer, though, Andrew. That's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, uh, I felt that Nagini was heartbroken by Credence's decision to side with Grindelwald. So in turn, enters a deep depression, which ultimately results in her permanent transformation into a snake. And we know what happens. Somewhere down the road, she finds the Dark Lord and the rest is history. Yeah, I was really trying to think of a way to give Nagini some kind of happiness. But because we know how this turns out, (laughs) there's really no way to do that. Um, So I think that Nagini probably only crossed paths with this story very briefly, just as a result of circumstance. And after the events of the last film, um, went into seclusion as her condition worsens, mainly because oh. she's like, I have a blood curse. I don't have time to be, I can't get wrapped up in a war, right? I've got my own I problems. I got a war with myself mm. going yeah, on. Yeah, I got to take care of my <laughs> own stuff. I feel like I have a more hopeful answer than all of you. I think <laughs> she's still got time. She does eventually succumb to her blood curse. I know this, but I'm thinking that she's got 15, 20 years before that takes her. So I'm thinking she's going on. She's going to have a spa day uh, after (laughs) uh, Crimes of Grindelwald. She goes. um, I do see a bit of soul searching in her future. I I, like not necessarily the circus where she is performing and being reminded of her fate every day by Skender saying it to a loud crowd of people. But uh, I expected that she would go kind of on a sabbatical um, or like a journey, inward journey, as well as uh, traipsing across the mountains, maybe in Albania, um, for instance, where we know he finds her, he being you know who. Um, But I was also thinking Mm. maybe she would still be drawn towards Credence. They had a really strong bond that was uh, indicated in the second movie. Um, Maybe she is kind of in the Swiss Alps around Austria looking to see if she can get an in to maybe speak with him or convince him to go away from the bad guys again. Like I even if it doesn't show up in the film, I I think ultimately she wouldn't just walk away from Credence. Perhaps. Yeah, they were clearly trying to build towards something between Credence and Nagini and she was a support system for him in the second movie and I guess when they were trying to streamline the third film they didn't find there was a place for her anymore yeah just picture, plus there was a lot of heat around her right too, just just so. picture her around the mountain somewhere yeah perhaps she could slither in to Nurmengard see what <laughs> I <do>? there you <laughs> go while we were all talking I was thinking almost how tragic it is for her that she couldn't spend time with somebody like Newt because Newt would have probably tried to find a way to cure her in, in terms mm-hmm. of the condition that she has. And and maybe that was a story that J.K. Rowling was ultimately looking to tell with her and maybe Newt just can't do it, similar to uh, what went on with the Obscurial. But I wonder, you know, that, that could have been a bit of a redemption story for, for her. Okay. 
So speaking of people who have gone missing, where did Tina go? (laughs) Now, officially, she was too busy being the head of Makuza's horror department, but this hasn't satisfied fans of Tina. So here's what I think really happened. Building on the horror gig that she has, Tina was unsure about her feelings for Newt, and she didn't want to waste her time testing the waters further. I mean, after all, this is the person who told her that she has salamander eyes, which is a little creepy. And I don't know if I would want to pursue a relationship with somebody who's telling me that. Also, this isn't the first time that Queenie has gone off the rails and Tina just didn't want to deal with it all again. She didn't want to deal with Newt and Queenie. She would rather focus on her career and her life in America. And only when she has to show up for her sister's wedding... Does she decide, well, let me test the waters again with Newt. And she's like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping to find somebody else. So for me, I thought that Tina was truly embarrassed by her sister's actions to join forces with Grindelwald. And as a result of that, she buries herself uh, in the day-to-day grind of working for Makuza believing that each day she really does need to redeem the Goldstein name in the eyes of her colleagues, especially given what has happened to her already, right? You know, she was relegated down to doing the work we saw her doing in the first Fantastic Beast film. So I feel like there's this strong desire to really continually prove herself, whether that's to Serafina Pickery or to others. Um, and the shame of her sister is so intense that she can't even bring herself to work with Newt, Dumbledore, and the others. And that's why we don't see her in this film. I really like that. I like yeah, that, a lot. that definitely speaks to Tina's character as we know it. She's really a hard worker who is consistently kind of shoved into the corner and she needs to prove herself. I like that. On a kind of similar note, I think that maybe Tina believes during this film that Queenie is actually undercover. and. Tina is using her influence at Makuza to try and push the United States Ministry of Magic's involvement in taking Grindelwald down. Um, but she's largely unsuccessful due to her sister being a, quote, known Grindelwald loyalist. Um, her loyalties are questioned also by Makuza. Um, so I think that would explain also why Makuza didn't do anything in this movie about all these problems going right. on. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I think she would have been trying to advance the cause from the inside, but was just unsuccessful. I have a more kind of embarrassing take, uh, which is that Nina, uh, Newt and Tina did finally kiss. Uh, we didn't see it on screen, but following the second movie. And you ever kiss somebody and accidentally get like a little like spit in your throat and you kind of like <laughs> cough or something? So because it's Hmm. their first kiss, neither of them have canonically ever kissed before. Uh, I feel like one of them would have choked and by accident, you know, started coughing. And uh, the other one would have just disapparated on the spot by embarrassment. Is this one of those magical drops of spit that Dumbledore shoots out? You know what? In Secrets of Dumbledore? So Tina was transported to the mirror dimension, and that's why I'm changing my answer on the spot, and that's why she's not in the movie. I just assumed that they would have just... (laughs) This is not the time for this. I thought you were going to say, like, Newt had really bad breath. (laughs) Tina was like, no, no. I think they both use uh, brush often and floss, but... um, 
But yeah, I just assume there was some kind of further misunderstanding or not even misunderstanding, but like there's a mutual attraction, but like they just can't seem to get together. I love our answers. They're all over the map. Like mine are like not really serious, but I want them to be hard. And Micah and Laura have really serious answers. And Eric, you're somewhere in my camp, too, I think. I love it. (laughs) Next question. This is one that stems back really to the first movie. Was Newt ever allowed back to Hogwarts after being expelled when he took the fall for Lita's illegal possession of a Jarvie? And it's also known that she had endangered another student with this Jarvie. So it was a uh, dangerous and very serious situation. What really bothers me is that we see Newt going to Hogwarts, obviously, in this movie. This would have been a perfect opportunity to hear if Newt was ever allowed back into Hogwarts. That's that's the big question. We know he was expelled. We know Dumbledore tried to have the expulsion repealed, but we don't know the outcome. And so my answer to this question is Dumbledore's efforts to get him back into the school following the expulsion were ultimately unsuccessful. Dumbledore always felt bad that he couldn't successfully get Newt back to Hogwarts and swore from then on that he'd try to lift up and support Newt and his interests however he could. I like that a lot. I like the idea of Dumbledore and Newt becoming friends so closely because of Dumbledore's failed attempt. Um, So like to make it up with him, he's like, I'll be your friend now, Newt. Yeah. Um, Plus, Dumbledore probably knows that Newt did take the fall for Lita. So really, there's no reason for Newt to be expelled from Hogwarts. It's that damn Jarvie. So rude. <laughs> I would actually love a like we should have a Jarvie like just like pops in on the show from time to time and throws out some really rude comments. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I could do that too if you like. Start recording. Some, I was gonna yeah. say, Micah, I feel like you're the prime candidate. Yeah, I'll come up with some ideas. <laughs> so I was initially of the belief that Newt was let back into Hogwarts, Hogwarts, albeit for a very brief period of time. But he was prohibited from interacting with any beasts. So as a result, mm. he decided to leave school and never return, realizing much like Fred and George, his passions lay elsewhere. Wow. I like that. This I love because wow. it's just like the ministry to like be like, okay, you can come back in. We aired and then be like, but here's the catch. No beast contact for you, young man. It's just <laughs> like, that's not going to work. I'm sorry now. And I kind of wanted to piggyback off of Micah's answer here because I really liked it. Um, I think after the events of the Fantastic Beasts franchise, so after everything we've seen thus far after Grindelwald goes down, I think that Newt will be invited back to Hogwarts to help curate a collection of beasts um, on the grounds for the newly introduced Care of Magical Creatures class. He won't teach it, of course, because he doesn't want a normal job, but he is going to create the infrastructure and make sure that the appropriate beasts um, do live at Hogwarts in order for the students to learn. Now, you might be saying right now, but Laura, don't you think Care of Magical Creatures existed before this point in time? Maybe, but this series is playing so fast and loose with canon that I think it could work. I'm glad you brought that up in terms of playing fast and loose with canon. I had a thought about McGonagall the other day. Without McGonagall, Dumbledore is the only recognizable character at Hogwarts for Harry Potter fans. 
So maybe that was their thinking with adding McGonagall. Mm. Let's just throw in at least one more person who people know. I like that a lot. For me, I just think that Newt was given a sort of pre, a little early gap year. It's a traditional year that students take to see the world uh, following their graduation. I feel like, um, oh, and particularly between uh, school and college. Um, So I just think that because he wasn't going to a ministry job, and that's exactly what school is for, right? Get you into that government job as a wizard. Um, There's so few wizard jobs, but one of them is work at the ministry. And since Newt wasn't going to do any of that, he's like, all right, I've learned everything I can there. I'm just going to, much like Micah's, you know, my talents lie elsewhere. And he began his research uh, starting a little bit closer to home and then just wandering off basically a few years earlier than he otherwise would have given uh, the circumstances surrounding his expulsion. And so continuing on with this Dumbledore discussion, there was a line in the foreword to the updated edition of Fantastic Beasts, and we spoke about this a while ago, where Newt writes that Dumbledore is, quote, something more than a teacher to him. This line has always very much intrigued me because we still really don't know much about their relationship. And in this forward, Newt also adds that, quote, he cannot say more lest he break both the official Magical Secrets Act and Dumbledore's confidences. Wow. (laughs) He'd tell tell us, but he'd have to kill us. Yeah, basically. So Newt and Dumbledore, they do have a couple of quiet moments in Fantastic Beasts 3, but their history and really why there is this closeness is still a mystery. That said, there is this line, I think, in the second movie where Dumbledore says, do you know why I admire you, Newt, more perhaps than any man I know? You don't seek power or popularity. You simply ask, is the thing right in itself? If it is, then I must do it no matter the cost. So is that it? Is that why Dumbledore is something more than a teacher to Newt? Is it related to the theory I I shared a few minutes ago? Yeah, I I think that's a perfectly satisfactory answer just based on what we already know. Um, if, If Dumbledore, even in the act of stepping in for a student, ingratiated Newt towards him as a human... Um, but then we also know that Dumbledore was not a model student or he, he was he was actually twice of a model student in that what he was doing his Hogwarts thing. But he was also writing uh, entire essays and corresponding with the brightest minds that were outside of Hogwarts of the day. So, you know, the non-traditional schooling route is something that Dumbledore and Newt would both have kind of had if they wanted it. I like that. And for me, I, I just think that. Dumbledore understands Newt in a way that nobody else does. He sees something in him that other people have failed to see, especially we all know growing up is tough, right? And when you're in those teenage years, you look towards mentors, you look towards people who support you. And I feel like Dumbledore was that supportive figure for Newt. Perhaps his family didn't understand why is our son so interested in beasts? Or he's getting con- <laughs> constantly ridiculed by his fellow classmates. We see him getting chased around uh, in Crimes of Grindelwald, right? Where he has to go hide out in one of those alcoves with his beasts. So I really think that Dumbledore was that stable figure for him. And that's why they are so close. As you said that, I was wondering, are Newt's, were Newt's parents even alive when he was growing up? 
are they out of the picture maybe? I don't oh. know if we have firm answers around that because then Dumbledore would even be more of a father figure potentially mm-hmm. to Newt. And I'm sure McGonagall was as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it would definitely tie to the theme of, you know, Harry being an orphan in the core books if Newt was also an orphan. Man, Can't but, resist but, repeating some story beats. Yeah. But Tina and Queenie don't have their parents. They died of dragon pox. Newt and Theseus both won't have their parents. This Ugh. is classic Disney movie. All the parents are dead. <laughs> the kids are on their own. Well, this this is Never Neverland. <laughs> who, who mentioned Newt's greatest fear earlier was working an office job? Maybe that's what yeah. his father does. Maybe that's what his mother does. Maybe they're ministry officials and the ministry he family. just doesn't want yeah. any of it. Yeah, yeah, I like to think that they're just estranged and not dead. Um, but it's true. Like there were a few opportunities where Theseus could be like, oh, mom's always saying, or, you know, or dad, dad's asking about you. Yeah. It just doesn't come up. Well, that's another good one is his older brother, right? Is hardcore ministry well, official. Well, oh, yeah. 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 Maybe that's, Absolutely. you know, he's been sort of that studious Percy like type. Um, and Dude has seen that. And that's not who he wants to be either. I think that. This excerpt could probably refer to the events of the Fantastic Beast series, especially since we never really hear about them beyond vague mentions of Dumbledore defeating Grindelwald in 1945. Um, so there might be some state secrets that they can't share about the events of this franchise. We also know that Newt knows about Dumbledore loving Grindelwald, which also isn't common knowledge, it seems. So perhaps mm. he views that as, you know, Dumbledore instilling some confidence in him. Oh. To the first part of your theory, do you mean that there's stuff that we have yet to see that we don't know about, like that can't be publicly known? Yeah. 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 I think that's possible. Well, given that Credence was supposedly buried in history... Um, something relating to Credence, how he eventually dies or something could could actually be a huge um, cover up from the government that, you know, talking mm-hmm. about it. So like everything to do with Aberforth and, Aber- you know, Credence being Aberforth's kid, all this stuff would be entrusted to this the small group of heroes here that know about it uh, to never tell the wider world. So maybe maybe the answer is, in fact, in the scenes that we're being shown. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to uh, a little bit about Laley and Dumbledore. How did these two meet and become friends? I'm very intrigued by this because we see Laley make her uh, initial appearance in the Phoenix book in Crimes of Grindelwald. And then we hear in this movie that Dumbledore and uh, Laley are friends. And Laley and Newt are friends, too, though we're not going to really focus on that right now. I wonder if Laley and Dumbledore met at some sort of global wizarding education conference. Because I was thinking with less wizards and thus less schools around the globe than muggles would have, I think it would make sense that the leaders of um, magical schools around the world would, or at least of the Western countries maybe, would gather to discuss and uh, develop educational standards, maybe even lesson plans, just talk shop, you know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I, I like that as well. I'm going to maybe play with ages a little bit here, though I do think Laley is close in age to Newt and Theseus. 
but we don't have to go and fact check that, at least right now. Uh, <laughs> my canon response would be that during a student exchange program where Laley came to Hogwarts Ooh, and studied uh, under Dumbledore, uh, this was ultimately what inspired her to become a professor. I like that apart from being as realistic as it is because it would canonize student exchange programs, which are the cornerstone of half of all Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> There's always an American exchange student who comes to Hogwarts and yeah. it's always uh, protagonist. But I would love to be the Mary Sue of, I would love to be as cool and clever as Lally clearly was in her youth. Mm -hmm. um, Lally's intelligence, even just what was conveyed in her character in this movie blows me away. So there's no shortage of really good explanations, I think, for this particular question. We actually just had someone in our Discord share that Jessica Williams answered this question. So <gasps> I'm scanning this article. Quick, Laura, give your answer. Find that answer. Perks of listening live. Yeah, do yours. Do yours. <laughs> um, so my answer is similar to Micah's answer, I think, given that Ilvermorny is a newer school relative to how old Hogwarts is, I could see Dumbledore coming to Ilvermorny on some kind of teaching exchange program to give students a global perspective. Maybe he came over there to do some seminars. Love it. Yeah, I like that. Well, here's the answer from Jessica Williams in this article that Laura mentioned. And thank you to Bonkers Bricks for sharing this. Jessica Williams said, in her school library at Ilvermorny, she discovered the work of Dumbledore, and she's quite precocious, and she wrote Dumbledore, and Dumbledore wrote her back because he realized she was really bright, and they corresponded for a long time, and he's sort of a mentor to her. Aww. So Jessica Williams does say that's her headcanon. She doesn't say, like, that's what she was told by the writers, I think, in that article. I don't, she doesn't distinguish that. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I think I saw somewhere else where she's like, here's my theory on it. And then gave that. That's um, fair. But yeah, my big thing was that Dumbledore and Lily would have corresponded over letters. That's how you did it back in the day. And also because Eulalie is so brilliant, we're going to be talking about this uh, in her character discussion too. She like wrote a book on charms. Um, the And that's actually stated in the movie about her charm work. Um, she clearly would be thrust into the same circles that Dumbledore has. Full stop. Uh, so it makes perfect sense that the greatest minds of their age would be friends. And next question. So I mentioned this a few minutes ago. What is that little drop of magic water that Albus blew onto the uh, glass? I think it bounced off the glass, right? And then headed towards Credence. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is something like, you know, they likely did put some thought into what this exactly is. It's just that with a movie, it doesn't get explained like we would expect it would be explained in a book. So I defer to y'all for, for the answers here because I feel like I need to watch this yeah. one again. But it's an important question. There's a lot of focus on it. All right. Here's here's my answer. I'll, I'll go first here. Uh, it was a method of determining whether Credence shares the same DNA as Albus. So the spit <laughs> is the is the petri oh. dish test. Uh, because remember, it's at the end of this confrontation that he confesses to Credence that he is in fact related to him, and he says, "We didn't know." I swear. So until he does this little spittle thing, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, if the spit matches. 
It's uh, it's the whole in essence divided thing. We're going to put the thing in the thing and the way it reacts is going to be the thing. So that whole scene could only have occurred if somebody was blood related to Dumbledore. And when when uh, when he brings him through the the mirror world, which we're going to get into next, uh, it's all because uh, he also shared uh, some DNA in his spittle, too. OK, Puff teach is bringing up a good point. Haven't we had enough droplets being spread the last couple of years? Yep. <laughs> Did no, we need never to think enough of another droplets. droplet? I actually really <laughs> like Eric's theory here. It goes out to Credence, it matches, and then it's like, ding, ding, or hey, and a Dumbledore. Arnt. So what, yep. Dumbledore, like, throws a spitball? <laughs> to be like, are you my nephew? <laughs> it beats a conversation. I'm just going to chalk this up to an extremely high level of magic that maybe we'll never understand, or at least until we get the script book and it tells us what's going on. <laughs> right. Because yeah. unlike former strip script books, this uh, one actually seems like it will have maybe some answers or additional content. Yeah. The only thing I can think, I really don't know what this one, I tried to think about it and everything just feels like such a stretch. Um, the only thing that comes to mind that's maybe a possibility is that they're Phoenix Tears that oh. Dumbledore has somehow trans, you know, like, like mogrified or, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're magical enough to heal you. So I guess they could do this too. So Credence isn't dying anymore because he was hit in the face with the Phoenix Tear. I so- mean, the, the whole. <laughs> movie that's what i was thinking i was like it it's literally right there (laughs) (laughs) quick grab it make it cry must be a weasley 92 says wizard 23 and me (laughs) referring to the dna test yes that's exactly what are so smart and funny dumbledore had it a hundred years ago yeah i like these answers thank you i I really appreciate this (laughs) i feel like we're all learning something today with you guys (laughs) so related to this scene the deluminator does this, and I think we have a good theory for this already, does this place a user into an alternate dimension? That way, Dumbledore could meet with Credence without disturbing and get getting the attention of all the muggles around him because he knew that a fight was likely going to occur between him and Credence. Is that what's going on? He's just bending light and ent- entering some sort of mirror dimension? Yes. I think that that's exactly what this is. We know that the Deluminator is uh, a device that Scrimgeour says was of Dumbledore's own making. It's possibly unique, the only one in existence. And given the sort of strange behavior that we see it do, it's not just a put-outer that we see it do with Ron, how it brings him back to his loved ones. I can't help but think that it is, in fact, um, something to do with the ones you love and your ability to get close to them. And then an extension of that would be kind of creating your own reality around them. So I I think that is something to do with what Dumbledore is doing here. Yeah. So thinking back on it, I wondered if the Deluminator was used to remove the darkness from Credence. I know it's traditionally used to remove light, but I wonder in that moment Mm. if Dumbledore was sort of separating the Obscurus from his nephew so that Dumbledore could actually connect with the real Credence, the real Aurelius, to show him that, in fact, he didn't mean him harm in any way. 
I also I like that effect because he does separate it. Like you can see it kind of where it's like bubbling on the ground behind him and slowly creeping back in. But before that, they have that conversation. I really like that shot and I like that moment. So perhaps that's something that only the delimitator could do. I like all of these series and I think that y'all are onto something here. For me, though, it does raise questions about why we never saw this in the core books that take place 70 years later. (laughs) Um, Being able to move into a mirror dimension would have been really handy when the trio was out camping in the woods, being chased by snatchers, and when the Battle of Hogwarts was happening and so many people were dying. Ugh. Well, I have uh, an explanation for that, actually, which is that uh, any instruction booklet that Dumbledore would have provided Ron with his delimitator would have been confiscated by the ministry. Uh, So I'm sure he gave a a very advanced technical manual. These are all the things this thing can do, and it will help you on your journey. And it just got taken away. See, I'm sure he didn't. And I could see Dumbledore. (laughs) I could see Dumbledore being like, "Eh, you know, Ron will figure it out. He has Hermione. She'll figure it out. <laughs> no, and, like he's a great strategist. Yeah. Look at he beating that that chess game uh, in his first year. He'll figure it out in two days and then just being wrong about it. The problem is Dumbledore wasn't around to show them. But as far as him not taking a more active role or like the mirror universe would have come into play in the Harry Potter books, I just think the way that Dumbledore took a less active role in general, he stopped seeing himself as the main character in the series and started seeing Harry and Harry's choice as the main character. So, like, I would love to have seen Dumbledore, who suspected Quirrell uh, during Harry's first year, to just take him into the mirror universe and punch the shit out of him uh, until he figures out the answer. But, like, it didn't happen because Dumbledore wasn't written yet. But also, Dumbledore would have, like, been more of a backseat kind of person, just waiting to see events as, as they unfold. I also wonder, too, though, was this just a moment for the you know the director those who have created this film to insert something that is familiar to Harry Potter fans we see the snitch come up later on in the movie we mm. see multiple moments where there are these things that kind of draw us back to the Potter series so i'm wondering if this was one of those opportunities but the issue is that they never explain it. Like no, this, this whole really sequence look, with Credence is yeah. never explained. And that's what's frustrating. No, and it, it, you have to kind of catch that he's holding the delimitator. The camera doesn't focus on it. Like it's in his right. hand, but you don't yeah, see it, it till the end. Yeah. Maybe they think they're giving fans and podcasts like ours a gift by leaving everything so vague. It's like we're giving them lots of material to Too spend many time gifts. talking about. Too many <laughs> gifts. But uh, but yeah, like the other thing about the Dilminator, the first movie, remember, New York is being destroyed. Actual New York is actually being actually blown up by Credence yeah. in the first film. And that's a huge problem for expulsion uh, of the Wizarding World. And it's it's a big deal. Uh, that entire city blocks and gas mains and all that. In the second film, you have Grindelwald's uh, curtains or bedsheets that are covering all the buildings in New York, and you're like, or in uh, Paris. And you're like, man, wouldn't wouldn't this expose the Wizarding or Muggle world? And so to not deal with that at all in this film, they've just gone and created a mirror universe where they can blow up uh, streetcars and destroy building corners without it 
don't you worry your pretty little head about the uh, statute of secrecy. Uh, it's a mirror universe and uh, it doesn't matter. There's no people here. Okay, so let's move on to the prophecy at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm. So let's look at the four lines that we got from this. I think we only got four. That's the only four that I found. Anyway. I think that's right. So line one, a son cruelly banished. So is this about Credence? He was banished, I would say. Yes. But cruelly? Well, yeah, because he doesn't have his father as he grows up. I would say that's cruel. I don't know if he was cruelly banished in the moment, but over time, what yeah, happened I, was cruel. I just don't know, though, that we have enough information about how everything shook out between Aberforth and Mystery Girl. Yeah. I agree with that. I think it is a, a but like a point of view thing because it's like cruelly just the to grow up with the without the absence or with the absence of one's parent is objectively cruel. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if nobody said to like Aberforth's love girl, um, get out. You know, it doesn't need to. There doesn't even need to have been a confrontation. But the fact that she was separated and that the child has to grow up without his parent knowing about him or, or being able to is in and of itself like the universe is seeing that as cruel. That could be open to interpretation. But as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about how Newt was banished from Hogwarts. I'm thinking, is Newt like the the prophecy center? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we're going to add that to a, a theory later on, I guess. We also have to look with at this um, prophecy and remember that they seem to really rejigger some things ahead of shooting the third movie. So it's possible that this prophecy makes absolutely no sense anymore. It just doesn't check out with anything we learned in the third movie. Right. But the next line, despair of the daughter. So a son cruelly banished, despair of the daughter. Ariana? On the other hand, these first two lines taken together could imply it's a son and daughter of the same parents. And that makes more sense when you think about the info dump that we get at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. I was thinking maybe this originally referred to Lita, but got dropped in rewrites. I mean, yeah. Being being a baby dropped in the ocean, I would refer I would think of that as being cruelly banished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. No. <laughs> what about so I think it does mean Lita. I think Yusuf thinks it means Lita. Because he reiterates the prophecy and is like nodding to her as he says, like despair of the daughter, um, because they're that's when we think that Corvus Lestrange is Credence or Credence is Corvus Lestrange. Um, I'm also still thinking about Aberforth's baby mama. She's somebody's daughter. She's despairing. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is back to the son cruelly banished being Credence, despair of the daughter being Credence's mother. It's interesting, though, too. I know we're going to talk about our uh, prophecy, but. Isn't yeah. it all about how you react, right? It's the actions that are taken following listening to a prophecy, how you interpret it, how you move based on it. We know what Voldemort did once he got, you know, just kind of that slight little piece of the prophecy um, in Harry Potter. So, like, I'm wondering too, is this a misdirect, right? Is this. It just seems like the whole prophecy was going to be this cryptic misdirect from from J.K. Rowling that led to a bigger plot reveal. But given how things ultimately played out in Secrets of Dumbledore, I'm not sure, to Laura's point, the prophecy is even relevant anymore. It wasn't mm, referenced probably not. once yeah. in that movie. And remember how many times, <laughs> and 
we can go back and check, right? In Crimes yeah. of Grindelwald, they're like, have you heard of the prophecy of Tycho Dodonis? Yeah. Or- the, the, the head of the aura office asked Dumbledore, and he's like, yes, I know it well. You don't even need to tell it to me. I, I already know it. It's great. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm surprised that-, that wasn't printed on a t-shirt and sold at Hot Topic oh, with, with uh, all the other merchandise for that movie. <laughs> it was heavily- but you know what? One thing that did carry over into the third movie, one line, is this wings from the water line. Laura, I recall you, I think you pointed out that the trailer for Secrets of Dumbledore at the end, we see like a phoenix made of water droplets. Uh, and we were like, oh, oh yeah. the prophecy. Okay. <laughs> and then Dumbledore took like a spit. That's a, It's not water, it's spit. <laughs> oh, that phoenix is made up of, of spit. spit. Many spit drops. Yeah. And then he takes one and throws it at Credence. He's like, hey, man. Yeah. I'm my nephew. <laughs> I'm being very good this episode. I'm just letting this all yes. play out. I'm not You're saying being so anything. good. You are such a good. Boy. I appreciate that, Micah. One less cut. Yeah, it saves Andrew <laughs> some work. Editing. But yeah, I agree. I, I feel like the prophecy, much like Nagini, like Lita, um, and the whole Corvus storyline were just dropped because they realized it was way too complicated and they weren't going to be able to wrap those bits in order to potentially see this franchise through the end being the third movie. Now, if they get a fourth movie, maybe they'll quickly address them. But I think that's a big if. Maybe this prophecy is about the prophecy, a prophecy cruelly banished. Despair of the author. <laughs> Despair of the author. <laughs> uh, return great Avenger, Steve Clovis. <laughs> there we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. No, I really like this. I feel like it's a more valid reading. It's real good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's look at questions that Fantastic Beasts 4 need to answer. Starting with the big, obvious one, what is Dumbledore's next move in his fight against Grindelwald? And I think the question really uh, stems off of, it It really depends on, I should say, if there's going to be one more movie or two. If it's just mm. one movie, there's going to be no time to waste. We are going straight into battle. But if there's two, this is going to be another like filler movie, I think. That's a great point. I think that uh, Dumbledore, so if they, let's say there's two movies, let's say they do actually do the five film franchise they were looking forward to doing. I think the immediate uh, next step for Dumbledore, since the blood pact is gone, um, is to work with the new Mugwum, Santos, uh, which means we will get to see Brazil, um, I think, I hope. And work actually with the government for the first time to take down Grindelwald. Grindelwald has really been set up as an international threat now at this point. He was directly, he's, he's a direct adversary to uh, Santos and Ludao. Um, and I think that the next film should show Dumbledore doing something he doesn't usually do because he usually keeps it very small, right? The Order of the Phoenix is a small group. But I feel like, Dumbledore really desperately needs a network of people and he's going to rely on the actual government while their um, goals are all aligned. And it's going to be a big coming out episode uh, of the series for Dumbledore in terms of, 
you know, people have been making fun of him for staying at Hogwarts. So he's cooped up. Oh, you know, real people are on the front lines dying and he's back at Hogwarts. But movie four is going to see Dumbledore actually work with the government and people on a large scale to begin to plot machinations that will eventually overthrow Grindelwald. I like that. And maybe this is where we finally get the Order of the Phoenix. I still want to know what's going on with that Phoenix book. Yeah, there can still be like this tiny little group of like his closest folks, you know, Nick Nicholas Vamel and and Lally and and Newt. But I think on a large scale, I'd like to see those people be dispatched as agents to other countries to really like figure out how they're going to deal with this threat. I think Dumbledore is just going to look to confuse Grindelwald even more. That's <laughs> that's the plan. He's going to start wearing revealing clothes. Ooh. I agree with you, Eric. I think that Dumbledore needs to begin assembling an actual army uh, to prepare for the war that ultimately is going to play itself out. The question is, though, if we're still in 1932 uh, and there's 13 years before they ultimately battle with each other, you know, is it a situation where Grindelwald goes underground for a period of time, right, and goes quiet and silent, and he's ultimately planning? you know, whatever it is ultimately that he is going to do, maybe that gives us a little bit of a time jump um, and allows us to get to 1945. But I just, I just don't see where it goes, where it's actually interesting, like that you could watch a movie for two and a half hours on what's next without getting to that battle by the end. Yeah, maybe during that same period of time, Dumbledore discovers the 12 uses of dragon's blood. <laughs> That would bring Nicholas Flamel back into the fold, I would think. Mm. Well, and and we could learn what some of them are. Yeah, that would be that would actually be really interesting from a, cool. a book reader's perspective. Like, oh, cool, neat. We have heard of a couple, right? Didn't we get a couple? I think you're I feel right. Like we spoke about this. Yeah, I just I want to mention that in were. case we get some emails. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, related, sort of. I guess it's pretty important. Is Dumbledore still hung up on Grindelwald? Indulge me for a moment. You think so, Laura? I think so. Based on the way the movie ends, they break the prophecy and they still don't move against each other. Yeah. They grab each other's chest and they're like, mm, remember those days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I would like to see occur is, I think, I think I mentioned this on a recent episode too. I think Dumbledore deserves a boyfriend at this point. I want him to be happy at the end of Secrets of Dumbledore, just seeing him sit there by himself, like really broke my heart. So I want to see him find somebody who's going to love him back in the way that he wants. And then Dumbledore's boyfriend can help Dumbledore defeat Grindelwald. And it'll totally work because Grindelwald will be so thrown off and jealous that uh, Dumbledore has got a new boo that he's going to be like, off his game. Interesting. So then does does Dumbledore's boo die at some point between the events of this franchise and the Potter books? Because Yeah. Yeah, so Dumbledore I mean, gets no he gets no happiness. Not before they live a happy <laughs> life together for well, a period ha- of time. Yeah, he's happy for a couple decades. I mean, remember, of course, Dumbledore is very old in Harry Potter, so it's not too crazy of a thought that his boo would die before the events of Harry Potter. What about uh Elphias Doge. They seem oh, pretty close. Yeah. Let the speculation begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with what Laura said. It seems like the two still have trouble moving against each other. 
uh, at least with the intent to do serious harm. So I'm curious as well what the breaking point is going to be for Dumbledore to actually defeat Grindelwald. He must do some more awful things in the next movie or two oh. to really drive Albus to actually defeat him. I mean, it ju- it's just that simple. Yeah. What if he kills McGonagall? Kills <laughs> McGonagall. <laughs> How dare you? That'll be the huge cliffhanger in movie four. And we then movie five will be a time service. travel romp uh, <laughs> to go back in time, like Endgame, to fix it. Yeah. I think that Dumbledore no longer struggles with whether or not he should stop Grindelwald. That's the that's what the progression of the emotional aspect of Dumbledore's character in the Fantastic Beast movies has gotten to. Dumbledore's no longer struggling with whether or not he should. Um, but there is still going to be this nostalgia factor for what they had as teenagers, for what they still feel for each other generally. But I think that both Grindelwald and Dumbledore, when there's that parting of the ways here in Secrets of Dumbledore, I think they both know that their relationship can't continue. So Grindelwald's line, who will love you now? Um, that was the breakup line. You know, this is but this is the yeah. It, it's not even enough, though, for Dumbledore to take action against Grindelwald and and kill him. Right. We know he's still alive in Harry Potter. Grindelwald is still alive. Yeah. So it's what does defeat mean? Like, how does he actually go about defeating? I think him? it's your, I think it's your whole sucks his powers out theory, Micah. Like, I, I love that so much. Um, the idea of re- somehow removing his magical ability so that he would not be a harm to others anymore. Well, we could spend an hour on Credence and Aberforth because there are many questions. I'm just gonna vomit out all of these questions and then we can address whatever we want here. Can we presume that Aberforth knew about Credence since Credence was born? When did Albus find out? When did Credence learn the truth? Why? How the mirrors? How will they write out Credence? <laughs> These are my questions. <laughs> the mirrors can't be explained. I'm going to go on. I'm, nobody's even going to try. I'm going to go on a limb and say the mirrors will never be explained. It's just a weird ass thing. No. Yeah. They just thought it was a cool effect. <laughs> and, and a throwback to Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And they also wanted to make it really obvious from the start that Aberforth is Credence's father. Yeah. I, I was like, liked... wow, you're, you're not even trying to make it a reveal. I would have liked if they were instead like corresponding via Phoenix. Or, you oh, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Putting a little note on its talon. Yeah. Come Send on, that's the, like a, another, another throwback to Harry Potter with the owls. Oh, owl post. I love <laughs> Phoenix that. post. Yeah. I love that. There's... I also just want to know when it started, because Dumbledore tells Credence, I promise we never knew. <laughs> and then yeah. Aberforth is like, always. I'm like, right. we're getting so, some mixed right. messaging yeah, here. Aberforth probably knew he had a kid, but my theory is that he thought he died when the Titanic sank. <laughs> When the boat went down, (laughs) when the, uh, when the, which is not, you know, that's not the year it happened or whatever, but the, the, he would have known that his, uh, baby mama was sent away, uh, either whether she had given birth or, or was about to, um, and he would have known, uh, because I think Aberforce kind of a follow through dad, right? He's kind of a follow through. He'd he'd try and track her down in America. Even if initially he wanted nothing to do with the kid, he would eventually come like five years later, be like, I should check in on them only to find that they died. So I think that, that, that should explain that like Aberforth knew about having a child, but didn't know until more recent events 
that it was still alive. Yeah, because of course, let's remember in the last movie, Credence is like, I want to know who I am. So he clearly only recently discovered this, well, in that five-year time gap since Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, however so. long it's been. Well, yeah, because it's not like I want to know who I am, and also I'm going to check my pocket mirror because somebody wrote me, somebody strange <laughs> wrote me a message like, no, pull that thread. Go look at that. But that's, yeah. that's going back to Harry Potter again, though. Aberforth is the mirror guy, right? Like he's connected with, yeah. with Dobby via Sirius's mirror. He comes and helps out. Uh, the trio when they're in need. So it's like, it's like pulling threads from the, the, the Harry Potter series. I, I would have been more satisfied if Queenie was reading the mind of Grindelwald to tell Credence who he actually was. And that then precipitated Credence reaching out to Aberforth uh-huh. via the mirror. But I don't, it's not even clear what Grindelwald knows. Like he knows he's a Dumbledore, no, or how he knew it, but yeah, yeah, but how does he know he's actually a Dumbledore? How does he know he's Aberforth's son? Does he know? Like, there's just so many missing pieces of information about this whole storyline. It's very confusing, and the fact that Aberforth likes goats, like the undeniable <laughs> canonical fact. It's, I, I'll I'll reiterate my theory that it was never uh, dirty with the goats, and it was always because one of them was like a preserved version of his kid. His so his kid was a preserved version of his kid of his son. Yeah. So the kid was this kid. It was never dirty between Aberforth and the goats. I think we have to slowly take a deep breath and be like, oh, "That's not oh, what J.K. God. Rowling said." I for let, I, I for one am willing yeah, to walk yeah, yeah. away from that. You guys, yeah, were but in that the was room. that was like fifteen years ago at this point. This changes. Well, <laughs> let's remember what else came out at that. Like a good counterpoint too with the Dumbledore gay. There's a lot of Dumbledore scene. revelations at that. Uh, <laughs> That's a huge that yeah. event. That's I feel like sure. we learned more secrets of Dumbledore at that than we did in this movie. <laughs> that was the best event we ever went to. Oh <laughs> Where's my, my ticket for that? I think I still have it somewhere. That was the OG secrets um, of Dumbledore. Very nice. <laughs> I don't know how they write out Credence, though, Andrew, to, to answer that question. It seems I like they've left it open for him to still be alive. And certainly, if anybody can kind of preserve him, it's it's. Albus, it's Newt. They're gonna write him out though, because and of the Phoenix is right Ezra there. Miller. They're gonna write him out though. So I, I just think in between movies, you know, he'll die, and then we're gonna hear about how he didn't survive. Yeah, the but there's gonna be an, uh, the camera shot over to the goat, and then Aberforth is gonna be like, "Time for dinner, Aurelius," to the goat, and it's gonna <laughs> be like, a, "I'm telling you, that's tot- we won't know how he did it. It will never be explained, but it will be alluded that that is Creedence still alive." little lightning round here I, well i'm sure we'll discuss this more maybe it could be yes. its whole own discussion one day lightning round are theseus and Lely officially a thing i'm going with yes yes yeah i'm gonna go as far so. as to say they got married in bhutan a little side elope and uh <laughs> wow nope. that is not supported by canon but okay well, we're making up the canon <laughs> i think they are oh yeah. yeah we're making it up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i yeah. think they are but i think theseus is probably struggling with Laylee's individuality. I can see him wanting her to move to England and her being like, nope, I'm a New Yorker. Mm. So feel free to come visit whenever you want. But like, this is my life here. I got roots. Can you imagine both Scamander brothers having to take a boat across an ocean to see their loved one? <laughs> Long like, distance relationships are hard, y'all. 
Ugh. Think about it. I mean, I get I would fly across the ocean to get some good bagels in New York. So I think Theseus would be okay. Is that what you're calling it? Bagels? Bagels and other <laughs> things. I love bagels though. You do. Where did Queenie and Jacob honeymoon? This is the most important question. <laughs> Mike got your answers. <laughs> <laughs> Shell Cottage. Uh I actually looked ah, this up. Lovely. The British seaside, because of the war, the British seaside was actually very popular for honeymoons in the nineteen thirties. Oh, lovely. Interesting. Um, I said Ilvermorny because Jacob's <laughs> or Jacob. Uh Jacob was very clearly enamored with Hogwarts, and I think that he would be interested in seeing where Queenie went to school. Oh that's cute. Little Ilvermorny in the summer mm-hmm. vacation. I think they'll go to Arizona uh to visit <laughs> Frank the Thunderbird. Um <laughs> That's what I, I think Newt would recommend a place and the place turns out to just be uh, Frank's nest or whatever <laughs> <laughs> on top of a cliff in Arizona. I think they're going to Rio, baby. That's oh, how Rio yeah. is going to be written oh. in. By the way, some people. Carnival. Yeah. Some people have said we actually did see Rio in this movie. It was a blink and you'll miss it a moment, blink, though. They're, they're yeah. celebrating once the once Santos is named. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I look, I I just don't think that's what was initially promised. It was going to be something much more significant. Final question. Will the Chillins be protected from Grindelwald and his followers going forward? Maybe all beasts, because I think this is crazy. This was we see what Grindelwald did. It was very bad. It was very wrong. I just hope this is kind of a jokey, jokey question. But I I, I hope they're going to be safe now. Mm. Yeah, I just don't think that. Grindelwald cares much for beasts anymore. I think he's moved on from trusting them uh, to serve his own purposes. Uh, Though I wouldn't be surprised if the mother chillin is stuffed over the top of his fireplace in Nurmengard. Oh, no. no. Oh, how could you? That's on brand. Maybe Grindelwald's relentless poor treatment of beasts at least is what partially motivates Dumbledore to finally fight Grindelwald. Because just thinking about the Newt angle. It gets Newt on his side for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it just ties it all together with the whole Fantastic Beast angle. No, it was, it was sad enough to sit through one uh, chillin' killin'. That was rough. Chillin' Oof. killin'? Was... Chillin' killin'. <laughs> chillin' killin'. That was really, 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 really sad and made me almost want to walk out of the theater right then and there. So I hope I hope that no more chillins get it. Um, and I hope that the chillin that does bow to Santos is like her royal uh beast that she keeps in a palace fed of anything that it wants to eat at at all times didn't newt say in the movie that chillins are extremely rare yeah and and then he but he somehow took a raft directly to where its mother was giving birth yeah but then also the birth of a chillin is very rare so it's possible that another one's not born during the events of the rest of the franchise yeah i think that's fair and then we can talk about the whole symbolism of siblings, right? Because then there was the second baby mm-hmm. chillin' that popped up. And I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, well, isn't it interesting how there's all these siblings in the Fantastic Beast series? And I don't know, that's probably worth discussing at some point. All right. So we have created some new canon for the Wizarding World to enjoy. Everybody, please add it to the Harry Potter wikis. You're welcome, <laughs> everybody. We figured it out. We solved it all. And we'll solve more in the weeks and months ahead. 
But we do have to revisit our own prophecy before we yes. wrap up today's episode. Does somebody want to introduce this? I think yes. Eric, you initially. Yeah. Yeah. So those of you who've been listening to MuggleCast for at least half a year may remember that back on episode 534, uh, we pulled out, we were reviewing Crimes of Grindelwald and all its crazy complex plottiness and uh, decided to try our own hand at the making of prophecy. For what I remember, we picked a number between one and a hundred and uh, each of the hosts did that. And then I corresponded it back to the um, published works of Nostradamus, who is, of course, the number one man of prophecy in the real world. So the result was going to be used to predict what the third film would be like. And now we have our answer because we've all seen the third film, some of us twice. Uh, So nothing is left but to go back to our prediction and see how close it was. I'm very excited about this. Micah, do you want to read this? For 40 years, it will be seen every day. Both his credit and his reputation will sink. The great mountain around which are seven stadia, that if the moon itself be guided by an angel, the heavens shall come closer to a state of balance. Uh, Wow. Secrets of Dumbledore, am I right? (laughs) Yeah. For 40 years, it will be seen every day. Yes, surely somebody is watching it every day for the next 40 years. <laughs> oh, so, absolutely. Not a particular person, but just around the world. So or that maybe, makes it's, sense. maybe it's Harry Potter. I mean, the series has been around for 20 years already, uh, the movies, and 25 for the books. So maybe that's a prediction about the overall uh, Wizarding World series. Both his credit and his reputation will sink. Now, I would joke and say Steve Clovis here. But I think he did a pretty good job with the movie. So I'm not going to say his reputation sank. This could be Dumbledore and Grindelwald, um, because as they gain and lose followers, as Dumbledore becomes more prominent, um, you know, Dumbledore's Grindelwald's reputation, he got credit because his crimes were absolved. And then his reputation sank when it was revealed he cheated to get elected. So I think line two in our prediction is spot on for the plot of this movie. That's a good point. I like that. Okay. The great mountain around which are seven stadia. I mean, eh, we do see that mountain. We see a mountain to get to the chilling. And that, oh yeah, that one too. Yeah. And also seven. It's a magical number. That was perfect. something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and stadia, I think are correctly like stadiums. So Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, there were definitely a bunch of those from Pierre Lachaise in the last film and the ones up on the mountain in Bhutan. If the moon itself be guided by an angel, the heaven shall come closer to a state of balance. Dumbledore is the angel, Albus Dumbledore, and he's trying to bring the heavens to a state of balance. And balance is what destroyed the blood pact, the cast mm-hmm. of the spell Ooh. to harm and the cast of a spell to protect. Wow. Yeah. This all makes sense. Gosh <laughs> darn it. We did it. I can't wait for our next prophecy. So a few weeks ago, we did make some Secrets of Dumbledore predictions prior to the movie coming out, and we're finally going to revisit these. We already spoke about the box office last week. Let's talk about our Rotten Tomatoes critic average predictions. I predicted it would score a 70%. Eric predicted 60%. Laura predicted 45%. Micah predicted 57 The current 
average is 47%. Wow. Which is technically rotten, according to Rotten Tomatoes standards. I think 60 is the threshold for it to be certified fresh and get that tomato. When the movie first came out and the first reviews started rolling in, it was actually scoring above 60%. And I was like, yes, I might be right. And then it started sinking. So it looks Laura like Laura wins, right? Yeah. Lowest without going yeah. over. Yeah. Do I get the like bunty? You get a bunty. Effect? I get a bunty. <laughs> oh man. I'm so privileged. We made a prediction. How many house elves will appear in the movie? I said three. Eric said one. Laura said two. Micah said five. I think there's only one. I think there was just the one that was in the trailer, yep. which was uh, at the dinner scene. Um, yeah. Okay. Magicking the orchestra. Yep. Good job, Eric. Good job, Eric. Here's a bunty for you. How gay will the movie be? Me, Eric, and Micah predicted on a scale of one to ten, a seven. Laura said a six. I'd probably give this to Laura. Nah. Yeah. They're, they're holding each other's beating hearts and the sound ramps down <laughs> and you can hear each other's beating hearts. I think that's at least a If tennis kiss, seven is... Yeah, the nah. movie opens with a confession of love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think six to seven is a range. Let's say we all win a, that one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We all got that one right. Everyone we gets a trophy. We all get a trophy, participation fine. trophy. <laughs> <laughs> we have to order so many of these. Will Jacob and Queenie get back together? Me and Laura said yes. Eric and Micah said no. We know how that ended. I so. never would have predicted it. High five, Laura. Newt and Tina, their relationship coming together. All four <laughs> of us said no. <laughs> There's an argument to be made that they didn't but i think they did right it's hard yeah i mean i guess i guess this is more than we were expecting if is it if the (laughs) if there's a fourth movie and it begins with them actively in a relationship i won't be surprised because it's about effing time but also because the end of this movie was hopeful I don't think she can yeah. you know, actively show up in one scene and us be willing to say that their relationship is back on track. Right? I think you can. Really? Because they're not like eye-daggering each other, right? They're not like, oh, yeah. All right. Hi. Fine. Yeah. And they were at the wedding together. Were they there together? It they feels come like together. Yeah. I think Tina was uh, Lally's plus one. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. they got along. They knew each other. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the, the shy smiles very much mirrored how they were looking at each other at the end of the first movie i don't really feel like any progress has been made here but i guess we can just say that we were all right then in this case (laughs) you're all convincing (laughs) harry potter name check we all predicted a character that would be name checked none of these were right though i said bins eric said uh kennelworthy wisp yeah i'm still angling for that uh offshoot into the uh Put it through the ages book adaptation. I could see that happening one day with Andrew Lincoln. Laura yeah, said. Laura said Tom Riddle. Micah said Peeves, and it's ants across the board. Well, this episode really taught me like there were more opportunities. Doge, for instance, Alpheus Doge. Like he, where is he? Yeah, that's a good point. That really should have come up. Will the Order of the Phoenix be specifically name checked? Laura, Eric, and I said yes. Micah said no. So Micah, gotta hand it to you. Here's a bunty for bunty, you. Get a bunty finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> will there be harry potter music i said more than once 
Eric I abstains. Yeah. <laughs> Since he had seen the movie. Uh, Laura said, every time establishing, there's an establishing shot of Hogwarts. Micah said, depends how many times we see Hogwarts 3. <laughs> we got at least two. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the answer is three, but it's not always at Hogwarts because the donut right. in the uh, briefcase uh, scene gets right. it. Yep. So three is correct. Good job, Micah. Will we get an Ariana flashback? I said yes. Eric said yes. Laura said maybe. Micah said no. Good job, and Micah. Micah, now I'm you're cleaning up. You're now. racking up the bunties. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is Ariana inside Credence? Eric and I said yes. Laura and Micah said no. There's another bunty for you. Both. Jacob's wand. I can't believe we haven't even really spoken about this yet. <laughs> We were basically all right. We all kind of predicted. Mm-hmm. Al- although it was Laylee who was making it operate. So none of that us really time. saw that coming. Yeah. But did he ever do any magic? No. 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 So we were all kind of right there. Will someone in the Commander 6 die? We all said no. That was correct. Will Credence die be written out? Laura and I said yes. And Micah said yes. Eric said no. I'm glad that he's still holding on there at the end of this film. That is a to be determined. <laughs> yeah. Beast MVP. I said the Demi guys. Eric abstains. Laura said Phoenix. Micah said Teddy Pickett. This probably goes to you, Micah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I based that solely off the trailer, you know, to be honest. Mm. So it's a safe choice, which revealed like everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many secrets will there be from Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> I said three. Eric said two, Laura said one to two, Micah said one. I think there were three. Ariana? Oh, yeah. What happened to Ariana? <laughs> now I'm forgetting. The, oh, the Credence, uh, Credence. backstory. Yeah. Yep. And Dumbledore being gay or loving yeah. Grindelwald. Yeah. But I feel like that's only one secret <laughs> because we All already knew the other things. <laughs> Weren't, I was tallying the secrets in our initial review. Yeah. I don't think I ever I mean, added them up, though. I, I think the biggest secret is obviously who credence really is like there's there's nothing else that really comes close to that like we all kind of had that sense that ariana wasn't obscurus we did get it confirmed for the first time yeah so then so that's a secret well so then three no credence's origin what that ariana was in fact an obscurial and the blood pack being explained yeah i think that's it i think that's at least three maybe can we say two and a half (laughs) all right let's say two and a half the gay thing's at least good for a half I think for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll give that to um, give it to me and Eric and Laura. Micah was definitely off with one. There was more than one. I mean, come on, it's secrets. In Only the one title is plural. Mm. <laughs> Will we learn that credence is not Aurelius Dumbledore? Eric and I said no. Laura said we will learn he is a Dumbledore, but not the one we thought. Laura, you got that right. Oh, and Micah said the same thing. So you're both right. Yeah. Ding. Nice. Well done, Laura. And yep. will the blood pack be destroyed? I said yes. Micah said, said no. yes. Laura said yes. Eric said, said no. no. Yeah. I just didn't see how they could do two more films if Dumbledore was free to move against Grindelwald right away. But this episode's discussion has uh, reminded me that the blood pack need not have existed at all because Dumbledore was always going to be conflicted about attacking his lover. So there were our predictions and the results. 
Good job, everybody. We all need a book bag to carry all of our bunties home. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully they're not too heavy. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how much we did in fact get right, but yet how many questions we still have coming out of this Mm -hmm. movie. Funny how that works. Mm. This was a fun discussion. And next week, we'll continue the fun because we'll be having a character discussion on Laylee, one of the standout characters in the movie, somebody we definitely want to learn more about. Lots of opportunity there to learn more about her. So we will do that on next week's episode. If you have any questions about her character or any theories, please email them in. You can write to us or send a voice message to mugglecast at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail on our phone. The number is one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. If you're recording a voice message, try to record in a quiet place and keep it about a minute long. If you don't want to call us, you can just record using the voice memo app on your phone. It's higher quality. It sounds pretty good. You can also use the contact form on mugglecast.com to write to us. And now it's time for Quizitch. Last week's question. What book hits Lucius Malfoy in the eye during his tussle with Arthur Weasley in Flourish and Blots? And the correct answer is the Encyclopedia of Toadstools. Yay. This was actually really hard. This was a hard one. Uh, Yeah, I hope it's a good read. Actually, several of our uh, answers said that too. Uh, number one Griffin Claw supporter says, I do hope the book is good. Congratulations also to a proud muggle, Sir King of Kings, Seymour Butts, going pro in Hogwarts Legacy, uh, Lost Packet of Drupal's Best Blowing Gum, Small Gilly Water, Bort Voldemort's Memory, Remy, Buff Daddy, GIF Spells Jiff. Please vote for Andrew in the next poll. Wow, and how nice. Mika. Oh, and Smushed Golden Snidget and Boobatuber Puss. Congrats, everybody. I'm touched. I, I thought the book was um, My Father the House Elf that hit <laughs> Lucius. <laughs> so, next week's question Who was headmaster of Hogwarts immediately prior to Albus Dumbledore? Somebody who also maybe should have shown up in this Fantastic Beasts movie. Because Dumbledore's running the place a little early. Um, submit your answer to us over on the MuggleCast website, mugglecast.com slash quizich, or go to the website and click on Quizich in the menu at the top. And thanks to all who've entered. All right, great. couple of the reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review if they allow you to. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. Our username is MuggleCast on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, we would love your support at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. We just released a new bonus MuggleCast, and in there, we're discussing why did J.K. Rowling really not promote Fantastic Beasts at all? What drama is going on behind the scenes? There's got to be something. It's all very strange. So we had a gossipy installment of bonus muggle cast you can check that out you can um when you become a patron you'll get a special rss feed that you can pop into most podcast apps so you can get muggle cast ad free as well as bonus muggle cast in your favorite podcast app so there's very little friction there of course you can listen through the patreon app too but we really appreciate your support we couldn't do this without you we have a couple of great physical gifts coming this year so stay tuned for updates about those in the months ahead and that does it for this week's episode Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. 
And I'm Laura. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. We're all several bunties richer. Ha, <laughs> ha,